Welcome to episode two of How to Hustle from Talent Atelier. Dedicated to placing the very best people into the fashion, beauty and luxury lifestyle industries, Talent Atelier based in Shoreditch in London and work internationally with senior through to C-suite level talent. Essentially, we're a dating agency aiming to create love stories between businesses and people. I will be your podcast MC today. My name is India Jarvis and I'm a junior agent at Talent Atelier. With me are Rachel Saywell-Burr, founder of The Biz. Hi. And Claire Anderson, senior agent. That's me. And today we're talking all things portfolios. If you are creative, then a portfolio is the best way of presenting who you are and how you work to future employers. So it's super important thing to get right, but because of this importance, it can also be quite daunting. How do you translate all the exciting thoughts in your head onto paper? Well, you're in luck, dear listener, because this is what we're going to be discussing today. Before we do, uh, each week we want to shine a light on a creative achiever who is doing amazing and inspiring things. So this week we're recording at the kind of end of uh, fashion month and freeze has just happened so there's you know a really nice kind of creative buzz in the air um claire who do you think is doing amazing things and who's the creative achiever this week so that would be kusama mm. she's got a exhibition at the victoria miro gallery um she's approaching her 90th birthday which is pretty neat in she's itself just so cool she's super yeah. cool and um yeah she's got new paintings some old oldies <laughs> all in goodies. there oldies but goodies I can't believe I didn't get to go and see it like yeah it's completely it's booked up absolutely, till Christmas absolutely yeah it's totally devastating I saw her old exhibition at the Haywood and it was just like one of the best things I'd ever seen and it's always stayed with me and yeah. I'm just really sad I don't get to see I've the I've got one. the tab <laughs> open on my laptop and I'm refreshing it every day to see if yeah. the tickets have become available but I wonder no. if there's any touts like lurking around outside <laughs> it's so good <laughs> and there's also the documentary about her life and how she kind yeah. of got to this point which is just starting this week I think it's opened oh amazing so she's smashing it she's everywhere she is everywhere cool. so let's um let's talk about portfolios then so to give a bit of context um Claire and Rachel here both um kind of cover all things brand creative that we do at Talent Atelier and also a lot of uh, product based apparel based work so portfolios can kind of come in a few different guises can't they they can indeed. I have like extensive notes on all the different types of portfolio, but then I'm like, yeah, if we sat here and talked about all of them, we'd yeah, be here for like we four hours. Yeah, we would be for a long time. But we, we wanted to kind of cover some of the things that we get um, asked about a lot from the different talent that walks through our door, um, as well as sharing some kind of bits of advice that we've learned based on feedback we've had from clients along the way. So I think we should probably start quite practically with length and size of portfolio like you know it can be anywhere between one page document that you send out to like 200 pages we've had before Ooh, what, yeah. where's the happy medium mm. I think I mean it really depends on who your audience is first of all um yeah and first of all maybe I'm just going to quickly say this because it's only just a snappy thing but don't just speculatively send a we transfer file out that's enormous it's yeah. like 50 megs because it won't get looked at yeah, you're not going to open it not going to open it um so if it's a speculative kind of introduction to your work 
I would say anywhere between 15 to 20 pages as a snappy kind of overview. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think the kind of um, secret is if it won't attach comfortably to an email, mm-hmm. then it's too big. Oh, mm-hmm. and sidebar, there's a really great website that we use all the time, which is not sponsoring this. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> oh, they should. <laughs> Um, they're called smallpdf.com and we use that website all the time um, in order to shrink PDFs and it doesn't lose the quality and it just means that you're able to send out bigger documents um, with nice pictures and it doesn't completely clog up people's inboxes um, because believe me when you've got like three or four enormous portfolios downloading and your computer won't work you just uh, it's it's not the best kind yeah. of first impression mm-hmm. um, what so, about yeah. people who um, who have a website? Um, how, yeah. how about you know are you, do you think people are likely to kind of click through a link or is it better to send an attachment as a PDF um, it, this is a tricky one I personally really like someone to have a PDF document as well as if they're going to have an online portfolio just making sure that that's up to speed I rarely see I don't know about you Claire but I rarely see an online portfolio that's actually up to date yeah it's always like work can't be released so it's not allowed to be shown on there Mm -hmm. or it's looking quite old school and there's old stuff on there and you've got to remember that whoever clicks on that website it needs to be curated exactly for them they're going to need to see something mm. that's going to be really mm. relevant to their business. Yeah. And if they're looking, like if you're looking at someone that's been working in an ad agency, if they're landing on a page of like pharmaceuticals, like campaigns that are totally irrelevant to something to do with fashion that that person's yeah, also done, it's going to turn them off. So yeah, it's, um, I would always still, even if you have an online portfolio, make sure it's curated and it's constantly updated um, and then also have a PDF. PDF, definitely. Yeah. And you, you've mentioned there about um, work that can be kind of under NDA mm. and, you know, isn't allowed to be shared yet. How, I, I think a lot of people try and get around that by password protecting websites. The likelihood is, unless you're like deep in the process of a meeting um, or an interview process, the likelihood is it's not going to ever get looked at. If you send, If we send out a password to a website like it never mm. it never gets used it's just something that's a bit of a trip up I think yeah. in the process just don't show the work and show it in person hopefully when you get to meet um, yeah that's my kind of method anyway so we've kind of covered the you know the really logic uh, sorry logistical side of you know actually what a portfolio should be but Claire I thought maybe you could kind of um, share a little bit of insight on what a portfolio should do you know in your role you know heading up brand creative mm-hmm. what do you think makes the best portfolio it should give a little bit of an insight into you what makes you tick what you've worked on I think a big thing as well is annotation because sometimes you can look at something very black and white particularly if you've got you know like two people who have worked in the same agency Mm. and they've got exactly the same project where it's who did what part so um I think annotation is quite a key thing um and considering your tone of voice bring your interests across um yeah just giving a bit of context and Mm. background to your work before actually having like a a conversation about your work face to face or on the telephone that's a really interesting point about annotation because i think you know something to remember when you're sending a digital portfolio off is that you won't be there stood by the person's shoulder when they're Mm. opening it for the first time you're not going to be there to tell the story of who they are, of who you are, rather. So, yeah. you know, 
making sure that that's really obvious through your work is essential. And you're right, you know, we see, because creative industries, as, as broad as they can be, they're also quite, you know, they're quite, it's quite a small industry. Yeah, we, there's multiple agencies working on the same campaign. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see three or four people with the same piece of work included in their portfolio and it's you know well which one of you did what you know it's not always clear is it no we had that recently did though didn't we when we were presenting some portfolios to a client and they spotted some of their own work in the portfolio um and it was a little bit awkward uh where the, the the talent had definitely worked on the campaign and we knew what she'd done luckily but they were they flagged it up and they were like this is our work this is our work yeah. and thank god she'd actually written an annotation mm, yeah saying about working in partnership with the agency yeah oh but that yeah, could have been a bit sticky just yeah, yeah just be really careful about that yeah the annotation i think is good and always use a good font just uh step yes mm. no comic sams yeah um not god right, imagine no papyrus. <laughs> No wingdings. <laughs> no wingdings. Maybe wingdings will come back. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. And um, also, I think what another really important thing to remember is that the person who is receiving your portfolio, mm. they're likely not to be the creative director of the business. Mm-hmm. They might not speak the same kind of creative language as you. You could be working with somebody who's in HR, for example, who obviously understands the kind of, um, you know, the the aesthetic handwriting of the business that they're working with, but might not be able to pick up on as much nuance. Mm. So be quite uh, mindful of that when you're putting something together. So Rachel, you've got a great deal of experience in working with 150 years. 150 years worth of experience working with um, designers across um, apparel, accessories, and product more generally. What do you think are the most kind of key things for for those types of um, creatives to remember? Um, I mean, all portfolios have the same kind of generic, make sure that it's not too long, make sure that it's speaking about what you want to do. But uh, particularly with a product-based portfolio, I think you really need to be able to demonstrate um, what is interesting you right now. Make sure that as soon as you open that portfolio, it's something that is relevant to the brand that you are wanting to get in front of and that there's texture in there, color concept, and everything is from initial kind of sketches and research through to a final product shot. Don't just have it like a lookbook with lots and lots of photos from the catwalk show or from like it, from a lookbook. It just doesn't work. Um, we need to be able to see what, how you've demonstrated your experience. Um, remember to bookend your portfolio as well. So something great at the beginning, something fantastic at the end. Um, what I've always noticed throughout the years is that people will forget about the end part of their portfolio and it will be some dusty old work or something that they're not particularly proud of or could even be their project from university Mm -hmm. Um, and this is even really really incredible kind of very very senior tier talent Um, and just remember that the last thing that people see in your portfolio is the last thing that they're kind of leaving the interview with so it's important that that's something that you're really pleased with. Some of the worst portfolios we see are probably the most talented people because they haven't necessarily had to use one for such a long time. Um, So it's really a case of not being too intimidated of having such a huge body of work to go through um, and really uh, just providing like an overview of what you can do. Like, are you someone that is still going to be involved in sketching and um, developing collections? Or really, do you kind of just inspire the team now and just give them a jump off point? Because if that's the case, then your book should mostly show the research side of things and more of a conceptual view, overview of 
uh, working in fashion mm. because if you're still showing like sketchy, sketchy projects of collections, then the person interviewing you is going to be like, oh, right, great. So you're still going to be able to design them. Um, it, it just really depends on kind of the level that you're at. But I would say if you're spending ages putting everything on an iPad, which people do now, that is fine. But remember, you've still got to have something that's a bit rough and ready to bring with mm, you. Definitely. Um, something like a sketchbook. I love the Muji sketchbooks that are of the brown kind of notebooks. Yeah, I know mm -hmm. you're a big stationary fan, India. Yeah, love it. Love so it. yeah, so something like, imagine Muji sketchbook, notebook, um, just with hand-drawn sketches in there, any kind of really beautiful research, inspiration, like buttons, any anything like that that you can kind of put in there that just brings your personality to life a little bit. Um, also, if you are, I'm really like now just monologuing, but yeah, I think right, <laughs> yeah. my brain jump is happening. Um, <laughs> if you are, have worked for a business for a long period of time, or you're working for a business that has a very, very formulaic handwriting, um, remember that you're going to need to be able to demonstrate something different. Yeah, personal projects. In mm. your book, exactly. Something that will stretch your viewers' imaginations as to what else you can do. Do you personally have a really feminine handwriting, but you've been working for something that's a very formal, tailored brand? Um, are you an accessories designer that has worked in um, mostly kind of quite uh, conceptual shapes and you actually want to do something much more um, uh, much more structured and much more luxury. Like you need to be able to demonstrate what it is you're doing, but just don't get lost in doing projects. They shouldn't be more than like five pages each. I see a lot of people at the moment who are coming in and, and just, uh, you know, they might be designers of, of any kind of description, but they're just showing work on an iPad. You still think that um, a physical portfolio is, mm -hmm. is really essential. Having something, you can have the iPad, yeah, but like have something else with it. Like, mm. even, I would say, for the brand creative side of stuff that we look after. Goodness, definitely. Bring Something in, tactile and yeah, like print a, examples. Yeah, like someone brought a really beautiful, um, like a, uh, it wasn't like a newspaper, it was like a, almost like a mini kind of editorial mm. book of their work, which was really nice to see, just to be able to demonstrate just to, like their love of typography and how it appeared mm. on paper rather than just on... And seeing that quality of print like in the flesh. Yeah, it really makes everything sing mm. a little bit more. It does. Um, yeah. And what, um, I'm just kind of getting into the real nitty gritty of, you know, what to actually include. Um, tech packs, are they interesting to... Depends clients? on the brand. I would like, it, tech packs are only really relevant for um, uh, technical product like footwear and accessories mm. and jewellery. Um, and I would have some lurking if you need them, but I wouldn't put like a full range of tech packs in because they're super boring. If anyone doesn't know what a tech pack is, <laughs> it's almost like an architectural drawing of a like a handbag so that the factory knows how to make it. I've had back and forths with um, designers before where I've been kind of asking for, you know, a proper portfolio and they've sent me a wee transfer of about 100 tech packs and it's just like... <laughs> Probably one of the more boring things that you can <laughs> you can examine. It is Obviously, quite important boring, to have, but yeah. oh, that's just reminded me. Like maybe like curate your own book. You are your best critic. Mm. Um, don't send your like potential employer or an agent a like a hundred pages and then go like you can just choose what you want because we haven't got the time. No, like, we haven't got the time. You need to be showing what you can do properly. Um, so really have a think about that before you, yeah, just dump it all on someone else to do for you. And um, also, I think 
having a you know a physical book is especially beneficial if you can make it quite three dimensional. So in, including like you a said, pop up print book. samples, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> put, put together a pop up. Just Why put not? together a pop up. Um, I would actually love that. That I would really really swatches, but I see no, where you're going. Yeah, swatches or like I mean, you could have a pop up with your with your yeah. But don't everyone please come in with pop ups now please. because all of you come in with pop ups. Might be a bit tired. <laughs> can you imagine? Yes, I can. <laughs> I can. <laughs> um, so we, you sort of, you touched on this just now, Rachel, about um, being a sort of editor of your own portfolio, and I yes. think. Um, when you're, you know, you've been working in the industry for, you know, between five and ten years, it, mm-hmm. it's quite, I don't know, easy to curate what you're showing. But when you're just fresh out of, you know, school, mm-hmm. or alternatively, you've been working for 150 years and you've got, like, absolutely, you know, bags Lose. and bags full of work. Yeah. How do you then, you know, keeping your 20 to 30 pages in mind... What do you think the best approach is to to kind of getting effectively telling the whole story? Um, I mean, for me, grab portfolios are like initially when you've got no actual proper work to show in there. Do some personal projects. Mm. Think about brands or that you would love to be working for, whether it's kind of doing graphics or art direction Mm -hmm. or um, typography or creating a little collection for them. Um, and then just look at any graduate work that you've got and make sure that it's presented in a really beautiful way. Um, I remember someone came to see me once and she had an arch file full of work, which in itself was just like, oh, not, not to please don't use an arch file. Um, and it was lots of um, badly taken photographs of her friend crouching beside gravestones wearing the dreadful collection that she had designed and she'd been in industry for like a few years but she still thought that this was relevant so it's like really just take a step back Mm. no we're not talking like I should say that India is a full-on goth and is wearing like she always wears all black or white and has black lipstick on constantly so So uh, she's like oh my god this is exciting no 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 we're talking like it was just absolutely dire Um, and she also had some perspex lungs that she like brought around with her to demonstrate <laughs> something else and I was like oh okay cool and she obviously was so emotionally attached to all this yeah. stuff so just don't get too emotionally attached to your graduate work because I know it was a journey to get there but remember not everyone's going to think it's that great mm-hmm. what do you think Claire about graduate and portfolios for like your side of things I'd like, say because we don't really look after grads that much no so we don't but yeah. from experience um kind of making sure you're spelling and there's no Ooh, typos yes. as well like oh, that's bugbears. my bugbear for a grad um because sometimes and it does not just grads though not just grads yeah it's true yeah and um, i'd say that's a really big thing um because i've seen so much talent rejected from typos like you, you're yeah. really surprised yeah and it's often like the first word in your portfolio or a couple of sentences in the cv yeah like get someone else to look at it yeah then check it for you yeah, make sure it actually reads properly. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then people that have got an extensive amount of work um, and a huge back catalogue of kind of stuff, it is hard editing yourself. Mm. Um, but think about the last, like, five years um, and utilise that. That's that's normally a good benchmark yeah. for me. Okay. And um, sort of circling back to kind of where we started, again, about the real practicalities of putting together a portfolio, you, Rachel, just mentioned art files. Mm. How 
are we putting together a physical portfolio? So we've got Muji notebooks. Yeah. We love a Muji notebook. Very chic. Love them. Um, what are the things so not to do? What are the things not to do? Don't spend a fortune. When people are like, my work is just coming back from the binders. I'm like, oh, how much have you spent? Because you might need to change the work. Yeah. Um, you always want to keep it fluid and you always, it's your portfolio is a work in progress. And it um, always will be. It's it, never finished. It's, it's never finished. And I know that getting a lovely bound book with your name on it is like absolutely rad. But we saw someone the other day actually that had a really sexy book which had a weird kind of I don't know it's probably some Scandinavian brand sidebar we'll try and find out who it was and put it in the notes of the podcast because that actually would be a great idea um but she could slide in really elegant plastic folders and you actually thought it was a um like a proper bound book and it was really beautiful but yeah so don't don't spend a complete fortune you need to be able to always adjust your portfolio and change it around a little bit um don't use an arch file with crappy plastic sleeves for me that's a bit of a no-go um should we touch on like if you are taking your portfolio digitally like make sure it's downloaded yes yeah don't be faffing around with needing to connect to the wi-fi when you're in an interview because it's long it's boring nobody knows how to work internet anywhere even though you know we should and it just can get really embarrassing and awkward when you're like, oh, so I um, can't actually, I can't actually this, show you so. this. Oh, if I could get online, then I could show you this. It's like, no, 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 have it all downloaded. Have it all downloaded. Have it all in one folder. Yes, on your desktop. On your desktop. Have a clean desktop. Mm-hmm. Wipe your screen as well. Yeah, oh, no wipe your screen. Oh, I've got croissant all over my laptop, actually, <laughs> at the moment that I'm looking at. And it's probably covered in little grubby marks. But, um, but yes, wipe your screen. And I think we also would be remiss if we didn't mention Instagram here because... I think you should talk about Instagram, babes, because you know all about it. Well, I actually, ID did an article, I think, this week or the week just gone about Instagram as a kind of medium for... This is really important for graduates, I think, to showing their work. And there's some interesting statistics about in there about kind of the number of um, designers from RCA and from St. Martin's who were using Instagram as like this really, really quick access route for people to to see their work. And mm. it is, it's amazing because, you know, I, I know people who use Instagram to show their journalism and they've got, you know, incredible attention from people like Mark Jacobs and yeah. Katie Grand and, yeah. you know, people There's no who, boundaries, is there? Yeah, people who might, you might not be able to get an email address for and they might not want to open a PDF, but if they're scrolling for Instagram and they see your work, mm. There's, there's no reason that it isn't accessible to everyone. So make sure if you are using it for that medium that it's looking tip top. Um, and I think the same principles really apply as they do with a digital portfolio. It needs to, you know, you, you need to look at this thing, this object of a portfolio and immediately understand what that person's about. Mm. You need to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, because maybe you have two portfolios one for like here's the pictures of my dog and this cup of tea yeah, that I like and you can keep and then, that one private yeah keep that one private like Rachel and then, does with yes. her pig account <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pig account I just really like pigs I just really like pigs, <laughs> really like pigs and my cat um, I do have a husband I should probably say that that just oh. makes me sound like I hang out at children's farms <laughs> cuddling a cat like hey um, not that there would be anything wrong with that because I would probably 
quite content. But um, <laughs> yeah, to have one that's like crackers and then have a sexy one like Talent Atelier, I don't, I mean, I don't even do it because I'm not cool enough. But our our account is great. And then that demonstrates our business. And yeah. then my like, personal account is, hey, this cup of coffee had a nice image on the top of it. I mean, it's bad, but yeah. But it's private. <laughs> it's private. So people go to the Talent Atelier account and I think they don't know what we're about. Don't me because I won't accept you. <laughs> that includes um, you, mum. Yeah. Have, have either of you got any kind of thoughts, uh, any feedback you've ever had from clients that you think would be really, really helpful for people to know about in advance of making their portfolio? Things that have been massive turn-offs. Um, definitely uh, making sure it's curated for their brand or business. Um, because if it's a like or obviously a project for another company through an interview process, that's a turn-off for businesses. Um, too long, um, non-explanatory. Like it's all the stuff yeah. that we've kind of covered. If you're going to interview at Helmut yeah. Lang, don't have a full, you know, floral gowns. In yeah. Your- yeah because it makes no sense it's it makes no sense i think yeah it being too long too boring not able to open it properly password protected like all of those things are things that just piss clients off essentially it needs to be as easy as possible to open able quick for them to download they can then send it on to someone else don't have it enormous because they can't forward it to anyone and yeah it just needs to be snappy yeah easy to navigate Mm -hmm. great well i hope that that was a real big help for anybody who's kind of looking to um, put together their first portfolio or, you know, it's come to the end of a season and you're still, you know, wanting to update from last year. Actually, that's a really good point. I'm just summarising, but I've just had a brainwave. Work on your portfolio as you go along. Don't wait until you start job hunting. You know, you could have been at Brown for five years and not thought about a portfolio because you didn't need one, but why not just... Add a, add a thing or two at the end of the season. That is a really, really good point. It is. We should you. have probably said that right from the get-go. Well, Before you listen to any of this podcast, make sure uh, you that you're that right there. You've got it. your portfolio open and you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and that way, it really lightens the workload, doesn't it? It does. But realistically, we understand when, yeah, when you you can't do that and you haven't you haven't done it. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's just a really good best practice. So let's um, quickly just summarise everything that we have discussed today in handy bullet point format. So number one, know your audience. Who are you sending your portfolio to and make sure you're adjusting it accordingly. Is it going to a generic email address, an HR person or a creative? Uh, Don't send a huge WeTransfer file out of the blue as it's probably not going to get downloaded or seen by the right person and it feels really spammy. Include context and annotations to show what you've personally done. Annotation is a good way to communicate your process and theory behind your projects too. Online portfolios should either be non-existent or kept really up to date because you shouldn't expect the viewer to understand your experience as it's large volume to have in one place. Uh, also, don't password protect your portfolios because I'd expect someone to actually kind of go and have a look at it because unlikely that they will. Instagram, good, great way of showcasing who you are too and your work. Yeah, we didn't actually mention this, but um, try and avoid date stamps in portfolios because it ages work really unnecessarily. That's, so. Yeah, probably more for apparel and accessories. But yeah, yeah if it says spring, summer 2013, yeah. if you still love it, take off the date. If not, then... Don't take it out it. completely. Yeah, um, bookend portfolios with a really good initial project and something really good at the end. Don't leave fusty old work in there. Mm. Lots of texture in physical portfolios. 
um, nice to have tactility and print samples to show as well. Definitely. Mm. And lastly, books are never finished, so make sure you keep working on them until you die. <laughs> of exhaustion. <laughs> of fashion burnout. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening. Um, join us again next time. If you've got any kind of questions or things that you think you know, you'd really like to... Um, hear us discussing then you can email us at podcast at talentatelier.com rate review and subscribe to us please because it will help other people find the podcast and of course you can visit us at talentatelier.com or follow us on instagram which as we've already told you is really worthwhile and that's at talent atelier thank you so much and see you soon thank you ciao Bye. Bye.